Good morning, Living Hope Church. Uh, we bring you greetings from Goa. Jillian Gabriel and I are here. We've been here since mid-Feb and uh, for the foreseeable future, we'll be here. Uh, we've been, uh, we're living in very challenging times and we meet each other now from the comfort of our living rooms. And, uh, you know, I was wondering, I want to talk to Vinu and the rest uh, of you all, you know, should we rename our church from Living Hope Church to Living Room Church? You know, since that's what we are meeting out of now, mainly. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm just thinking of uh, our lives, which were kind of planned, knowing what we want to do, is suddenly being changed. Uh, you know, there's been a rude shock, and we our lives have been shifted. Uh, it reminds me of uh, when I was thinking about this. I was I remember I was remembering the uh, in school we learned about inertia laws of motion and in inertia it says uh, a, a body would continue in its state of rest or continuous motion in a straight line unless changed by an external force. An external force hits it and its state of rest or state of continuous motion is interrupted and that's what's happened to us. We've been you know living in times wherein our routines have been changed and there's a lot of stress and anxiety because we don't know what tomorrow brings, we don't know will the bread man come? Would we be able to access bread? Would we be able to get food? Would there be a complete lockdown? Uh, would the hospitals be able to care for anybody? I mean, somebody told Jillian that try not to get an insect bite in Goa because you won't get doctors. And it's like, uh, oh, <laughs> you know, new things to worry about now. So, um, rationing food, like, you know, it's so many new things we never thought about in the past few years and suddenly here we are. In times like this, it becomes difficult, difficult to trust God moment by moment because we don't have things planned out. It's We don't know what tomorrow brings and we are forced to lean on Him and we're sometimes not used to it and it becomes difficult. Yeah, It's easier to function when we have a plan. It's easier to function when we have something chalked out. But uh, when things are uncertain, it's like that anxiety and stress builds up. You know, if I if I if we look at an imagery, it's uh, it's like a, a boat. You know, we have our hands on the steering. We are we are we are steering the boat. We know where we want to go. We plot a chart. We are moving that. We have our hands on the steering, and we've got our we can control the sails or the engines, and uh, we know how fast or slow we want to move there. So we know where we want to go. We know how fast and slow we want to move there. But when we are on sea, there are two other things: the wind and the waves. There may be storms, there may be strong waves. We can't control that. And that's when we have to lean on God. His word tells us, you know, his disciples looked at him and were amazed and wondered, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? We serve that God. So while we are in difficult times, while there may be anxiety and stress, while we may not know what tomorrow brings, we don't have to panic because we, we can manage our lives. We, we can't manage what's happening outside, the wind and the waves. We know who controls the wind and the waves. So we can lean on him and trust in him and know that we can, while our lives are interrupted, we don't have to panic. We don't have to fear. And as we read through Acts chapter 8, my, my laptop's here, so I'm keeping on looking this side. As we read in Acts chapter 8, we'll see that there was this external force that hit the young church in Jerusalem and what happened there. And how did they suddenly cope with this 
sudden change, the sudden shock that like, whoa, life is not the same like when you were, they've, you know, they've just come into the faith, their lives have changed and now it's going to change again, you know, in, in a completely different way. So I'll be taking small passages and I'll be going through it and then we just come back and summarize the whole passage and what we can learn from it. Yeah. So I'd like you to take out your Bibles and we can read Acts chapter 8. We are going through one verses 1 to 25. Yeah. So I'll read a few and then we'll continue. Okay, I'll start. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. A great persecution broke out. Okay, uh, they, were, they were already being persecuted in Jerusalem. The church was already being persecuted. You know, uh, Asavya spoke to us about how internally uh, they were grumbling and saying that, oh, our widows are not being taken care of. And externally there was a Sanhedrin and people were talking about uh, you know, pulling Pe they pulled Peter and uh, John into prison and said, "You will not talk about Christ." And, and they were called, they were questioned by the Sanhedrin, and they was and Peter and John said, "Who should we listen to, you or God?" And then Stephen was picked up and stoned. And it's not that they didn't have enough troubles of their own; their church was being attacked from internally and externally. But now there was this great persecution that broke out, and it's written there that. All except the apostles were scattered and Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house and dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Now, that's not a comfortable place to be. Uh, you know, later on in Acts we read, uh, it's recorded that Paul now, uh, it's interesting, these difficult times, the enemy of the church became its greatest promoter. Saul, who who was behind these, this violent, great persecution suddenly becomes the greatest promoter of the church. He moves. Our greatest enemy can become our greatest friend as long as God is in this. Now, Saul, uh, Paul later uh, talks about, he says, I went into synagogues and I searched for these people and I forced them to blaspheme the name of Christ and if they didn't, I sentenced them to death. Now, can you imagine? He went into homes, dragged out men and women. Children were affected. Families were broken up. And many people would have looked and said, Ah, deserves them. Deserves them. Why did they have to leave our faith and follow this man? Now, it is a tough time. It is a tough time for the entire church. They are a young church. Should they stick together? Should they stand together and fight? Should they run away? Should there be panic? What, what do we do at times like this? They've never, ever known times like this. They've never been attacked by their own people. They've always been attacked by external enemies. But So now what do they do? Do they stand together, come together, fight this enemy? What do they do? Do they run away from Jerusalem in fear? Well, if, if they had to run away from Jerusalem in fear, they would never go out anywhere and say, I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. They, would, they could just hide and be quiet and not say anything about their faith. Yeah? But we read, we continue reading and say, those who were scattered, those who left Jerusalem and went away, preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they, played, they paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery. 
in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Now, here it is, the church, the, the early believers, they scattered, they went to different parts of uh, uh, Judea and Samaria. Now, here it is, Jesus had mentioned that you are to be in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. They were in Jerusalem. It's not that they were comfortable in doing nothing. No, they were, they were precious, they were precious. But now they have moved. Jesus, the Lord has used this, you know, this strong external force that has come as persecution. The Lord has used it for his glory. He used it to promote and push his message of grace, his message of salvation to people. Yeah. Now Simon, <coughs> sorry, Simon, he was another, another guy. His focus is himself. The passage introduces himself, uh, introduces him in a very, very strange way, very telling way. It doesn't only tell us what he does. He's a sorcerer. You know, he's a magician. But also how he liked to see himself, that he was a great guy, that he was great. He had the power of God and people would say he, he used to like to see that and he enjoyed it when people told him that. So he was all interested in his own glory. And it's strange, it's just this one passage with Simon and then you don't hear about him at all. But when he sees Philip, he knows, I can't compare to this. I can't. But if I can get it, it would be another, you know, a new level of how I operate. The only way he felt, okay, I think I need, the only way I can get it is when Philip is saying, you need to believe. So I'll believe. I'll go for it. Pride ruled his heart. The gospel did not bring him down to repentance. The gospel never changed his direction. Repentance is me thinking of, you know, what I think is good for me. I keep living my life that way. And when I repent, I turn back to God and say, you know best. I will follow your guidance in the days ahead, not what I think. There's a place of shifting from pride. I know what's good for me to humility. You guide me. I don't know. Yeah, I am I am wrong in my choices because they don't glorify you. I want to walk in a pathway that glorifies you alone. That's our shift that we make. Philip never made the shift. He never repented. He just wanted to believe so that he could get this power. And then uh, he would be greater than what he currently was. Yeah, so yeah. Now when the, we'll just continue. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that, uh, uh, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any or, or one of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now here's an interesting thing. There's, there's so much that can be spoken about this from the small verse. But, uh, Jews and Samaritans got along like oil and water. They just didn't mix. Yeah? Uh, the Jews despised the Samaritans. And here it is, Peter and John have come. Jesus has been there before and he has preached to the lady at the well and stayed there in that village. But uh, now Peter and John have come here because they see, oh, the Samaritans, they've received the gospel. They've received, they've begun to believe. So they come here and they lay hands on them and pray. They impart. I think there's a great place out here of reconciliation that uh, people who are despised are now brothers and sisters. People who could not get along are now one body. And I, I just want us to say that, that the power of Christ 
is this great power to reconcile, to restore, to renew. And it's not just, you know, I feel good. No, it's about how many who are different, who, are, who have nothing in common, come together and become one body. One body, living out his word. And uh, another good thing which I'd just like to say is for Peter and John, they moved in Philip. They moved where the Lord led them. They didn't say, oh, Samaria, no, I don't like that place. I don't want to go there. But they moved where the Lord led them. Are we? Do we have that approach? That, Lord, we want to live. That's what repentance leads us to. A place from what I think I know, want to do, which is good, to where the Lord leads me. Now, when the Lord is leading me, if I say that, no, I don't think that's good, I'm still choosing what I want to do. And is that the way, is that repentance? Is that turning away from what I think is good to what the Lord wants me to do? Yeah. So they have gone and, and they have moved where the Lord has led them. We need to continue learning to walk in that manner of turning away from what doing what we think is good to what the Lord wants me to do. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give, this, give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought that you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart, for I see you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon prayed, pray to the Lord for me that nothing you may have said, nothing you have said may happen to me. The Simon guy was not cut to the heart even now. He looked and wondered how he could add to his popularity and he felt, oh, you know, Philip was at one level. Apparently, these guys can give you that power. I Philip demonstrated the power. These guys can give it to you. Uh, maybe the sure shot way of getting it is through money. And he just wanted it for his own glory. He was not passionate about glorifying the Lord. He was only passionate about his name being lifted higher. How are we in our lives? Are we passionate about, I want the Lord's name glorified, come what may? Or is it that I want my name, my career to grow, I want my finances to grow, I want my name to grow, I want to be influential in my community. And if I'm going to take steps which kind of alienate me, I'll, I'll think twice. What am I after when I follow Christ? We need to ask ourselves these. Because I think this entire incident of Simon is put there just for us to reflect and say, why do we want to follow Christ? Why? Okay. Are we passionate for what's on his heart or are we just running after what we want to do? And then Peter and John, after they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many, many villages, Samaritan villages. Okay. The gospel moved from primarily being preached in Jerusalem to being preached in Judea and Samaria when this persecution, this external force, hits the church, this early church. He, the Lord uses every situation, every situation, believe me, to spread his message of grace that he wants people in his kingdom. He is actively pursuing people, his saving grace, that people will not be lost for eternity. The day Stephen, this faithful servant, is murdered, this great persecution begins, people are dragged out of their homes, 
But Stephen has shown us something incredible. Vinu touched upon it last week when he said he lived like Christ, he died like Christ. Stephen showed us what it is to be faithful and bold. You don't have to be arrogant. You don't have to be proud. Be faithful. You're serving God. You are not trying to build your own uh, uh, kingdom. You're not blowing your own trumpet. He was faithful to what the Lord was revealing to him and he was bold enough to speak irrespective of the, of the consequences. He knew he had the steering wheel. He knew he had the sails in his hand. What he had been given, he shared. He could not control the wind and the waves. He left that up to the Lord. Yeah, He, he was faithful. Jesus had so far told them, preach the gospel. There were no ifs and buts. It was not that if there is no persecution, if there are no problems, if people don't shout at you, then you can preach the gospel. No, it is preach the gospel. And that's what he did. He preached the gospel and he left the consequences to the Lord. He knew all he has to do, like Christ, be faithful. You know, these men and women, they have seen and heard Christ and all that Christ has said has come to pass. Whatever he has spoken about his death and his resurrection has come to pass. He has told them, wait in, the, in Jerusalem, you'll get the Holy Spirit. It's come to pass. He said, go out and preach the gospel. And they've preached the gospel and they've seen what's happened. He says, I will make you fishers of men. And they've seen what's happened. They know that Jesus is faithful to his word. What he says, he will do. It's done. If he said it, it's done. And they've learned to be faithful. Because they know that he is faithful. And they want to imitate and reflect this nature of Christ wherever they go. So we learn from Stephen that he is faithful and leaves the rest. Now Philip He's been appointed as a deacon along with Stephen and, and uh, you know, the, we, we've heard that the apostles wanted people who are full of the spirit to serve the church. And these men are full of the spirit and wisdom and they're serving the church. Now, his friend Stephen has been murdered and it may have been a time for Philip to say, what am I doing? I thought this was going to be a triumphant journey. I thought this was going to be a, a place wherein Everything would go smoothly. Guess who's the focus in the triumph and when things go smoothly? I am. But this is the place and the time where Christ can be glorified. I have the steering wheel and I have the sails. I have the engine of, the, of my ship. What am I doing? In which direction am I pressing on? Irrespective of the wind and the waves. Which direction am I pressing on? But many times we want information. Lord, why did this happen? Why did Stephen have to die? He was a faithful guy. What wrong did he do? You know, Stephen could have asked the question, Lord, why am I being persecuted? Or even why is the church being persecuted? We want information. We want answers because we feel somewhere the answers will make sense to us. But I, I, I'm not saying information is wrong. But having only information is not the way forward. You know, Habakkuk goes to the Lord and says, Lord, look, the innocent people are being trampled upon, the wicked are ruling, the wicked are having a free reign. What are you doing? Do something. Why is this happening? And the Lord says, come, I'll share with you what I'm going to do. And when the Lord gives him information, Habakkuk is paralyzed. He says, oh, I, I can't handle this. He says, my bones are, <gasps> I can't move. But then he remembers who God is. And he says, but even though the fig tree failed to blossom and there are no cattle in the stall, I will still rejoice in you. For you make my feet like a deer. His revelation of God is what carries him. He knows who the Lord is. He knows his heart. Situations, while they cause anxiety and stress, he turns to God. Information is not the answer because the information paralyzes him, so to say. 
it stops him from thinking. He says, I can't think. But his revelation carries him forward. A revelation of who God is. These are the days we get a time to press into God. And pray to the Holy Spirit. Seek him that his, he would open our eyes to get this revelation of who God is. So that we can walk in confidence and not in fear. We can walk in confidence and assurance rather than in panic and fear. Yeah? We do not want the, the temporary satisfactions of life to guide us. We don't want temporary things, situations to guide us. We want eternal truths to guide us. That should be our beacon and that's whom we follow. Stephen was very clear as to who he was serving. So we need to get into that revelation that A, he is sovereign. God is sovereign. He scatters the seeds wherever he chooses and he will do all things for his glory. Now, Philip did not go to Samaria after a strategy meeting. He went to Samaria because he was led by God. You know, later on we read of, read of Philip's life and we, in the coming weeks we'll hear about it that he went off to, you know, the Spirit of God led him down a road where he met an Ethiopian eunuch and gave the eunuch the gospel. And then later on he was taken to different villages. He moved where the Spirit was leading him. He did not go there after a strategy meeting. He did not think of what is the best way ahead for me and what I need to do in my life. He chose to go where the Lord led him. He was faithful as Stephen was faithful, who was faithful as Christ was faithful. They've learned this nature of Christ. Yeah, uh, The Lord has placed us where we are today for a time like this. We are not here by accident. We are here for a time like this. We are here to, to see what, to be an effective witness for the Lord in where he has placed us. How are we being a witness? He is sovereign. He controls the wind and the waves. We have to just make sure that we've got this message of grace. We've got this message of joy, great joy within us. Are we sharing it? You are in a place chosen by him. Whether it's in your neighborhood, in your office, in your schools, in your colleges, wherever. You are in a place chosen by God and you are a carrier of this message of grace. The second point is we trust. First is we trust God's sovereignty. Second, we speak the word. We got this message of truth, of love, of of joy within us, of eternal joy within us. We've got to share this joy with others. Wherever the young church went, they preached this word. So those who were scattered, they preached the word. They spoke about Christ and they spoke about life. They spoke about the joy they had received. And they, they, they shared the joy. They shared this truth. And the result was life. dead spirits. People who were dead in their spirit were suddenly came to life. Picture Elijah speaking to the valley of dead bones and it coming to life. And there was great joy when that happened. People who were dead in their spirits were suddenly alive after hearing this word of life. And their lives were changed and miracles happened. Philip went and spoke to Jews, Ethiopians, uh, Samaritans. He did not look at who he was speaking to. He was looking at the message he had. He did not want look at, oh, I want large crowds. You know, I want this huge gathering like Philip. I don't want the one-on-ones. No, he did one-on-ones. He was with the Ethiopian eunuch. He did one-on-ones. He did large gatherings. He did not look at who he was speaking to. He did not look at the numbers of people he was speaking to. He was only looking at how could he be faithful. Where the Lord led him, he spoke. He preached his word. The command was to preach the message and he preached because he had a message to give. He, he, do, we, do we share that with that love for people? Do we share that message? Now, uh, sometimes we wonder... How to share? I mean, I've never shared. Many of us don't get the opportunity to share with large crowds. And that's okay. But we all have friends. We all have family that we can share. We can speak to. We can share the gospel. We can share God's provision and, and his, uh, his interventions in our life and how he leads us all along. We, we've got so many testimonies right now and go of how we got things. When we, we don't know anybody out here. Now, uh, we can share that with people when we meet them. Now, uh, 
we can share our testimonies basically is what i'm saying but testimonies need to always point to christ it, it, you know many times uh, sometimes uh, we we speak testimony then it's like 10 minutes of oh i was like this and this is my life and this is what i did and this is what and then we say with great finality i met with christ and my life changed who was the focus of that testimony i was but no christ is to be the focus of that testimony how are we glorifying christ you know philip and the people scattered they honored christ they kept pointing towards christ irrespective of this great persecution that had broken out it had not stopped it had broken out and it was moving and saul was going from city to city but here were these people ahead of saul preaching the good news to people yeah and they were giving them and there was great joy in those cities uh, it is not about how people respond sometimes people won't take a message look at jesus people didn't take his message some of them some of them took and here they are they've moved out after that it's not about how people take our message it's about am i being faithful in giving the message some people like simon may not receive it well am i still being faithful in giving it am i still being faithful in talking to him like peter did but if we are to share this message if we are to share this joy we need to have that joy we need to be able to be filled with that joy in order to share it this is the more time we have in our lives to press into god to live in his presence where there is fullness of joy where we get this joy which situations cannot change we are so used to finding this joy in other things maybe it's in our careers our family our friends our bank balances our securities in other things but look around can any of them save you especially in in light of what we are going through can your job save you can your money save you the only time we can be full of joy the only time we can stand with confidence is when you are filled with joy when you are filled with life nothing scares you you know we have rejected god and gone after things which are temporary but god in his mercy sent his son to take that penalty of rejection that we do not want you lord we want to do what we think is right and he sent his son to die for us take that penalty of uh, rejecting god on the cross and christ died was buried he rose again when he rose again he showed us demonstrated that death sin has no hold on us anymore now if we choose and those who believe and say yes lord i i believe in what you have done i agree with your plan that our lives are to glorify you and not to glorify self it's not about glorifying my name but glorifying your name those who agree with that and repent and turn to christ this eternal life is their portion this eternal life is their portion and that's a reason for great joy that's a reason for great joy uh these days all of us seem to be in a tunnel and many of us you know i remember ashok philip spoke that word it's it's really blesses me uh, uh we are in this tunnel and we are looking for the light at the end of the tunnel and uh, but we are to be the light within the tunnel we are to be the light to people around us as we speak this truth this message that we have how are we glorifying christ in the midst of this crisis keep our eyes open for every opportunity i would say this one thing for max said this great persecution broke out and they went out and preached the message and there was great joy in the city in the midst of struggle in the midst of difficulties in the midst of anxiety in the midst of uncertainty we don't know what's going to happen when we are filled with the spirit we can speak to the dry bones and they will come to life isn't that what we want to see of our family and friends 
we have been placed where we are for a time like this. Let us not lose the opportunity. Let us be confident of Him through whom all things are possible. Be confident of the, the, the steerings and the sails, the, the wheel and the engine that we have to, to guide the boat ahead. Let Him take care of the wind and the waves. Our, strength, our confidence does not lie on the sea being calm. Our confidence lies that we know Him who can make the sea calm.